1: true crime garage wherever you are whatever you are doing thanks for listening i'm your host nick and with me as always is a man who is waiting for a tropical storm to be named after him here is the captain
0: yeah call me captain sand in your crack it's good to be seen and good to see you thanks for listening thanks for telling a friend.
1: Today, we are very lucky to still have some cold, delicious beers in the old garage fridge from the good folks over at Goodfire Brewing Company. Today, we are drinking Amateur Cowboy. It's brewed with a base of pills and wheat to feature some fantastic Columbus cryo from Yakima Chief. Giddy up. Garage grade four and a half bottle caps out of five. And let's give some thanks and praise to our friends for helping us out this week first up a shout to sarah c from blythewood south carolina
0: and a big we like your jib goes out to melody in riverside california
1: and last but certainly not least we have jeff wall and alexandra ohio thanks to everybody for helping us fill up the fridge this week if you want to fill up the fridge for next week's show go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button
0: yeah, B-W-E-W-R-U-N, beer run. If you need more True Crime Garage for your earballs, search for True Crime Garage in the Apple Podcast app and hit subscribe. And that is enough of the business.
1: All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. 2009, on the University of Virginia campus, we have a young woman, Morgan Harrington, who goes missing. Unfortunately, her body is found four months later. And then we continued our story yesterday, telling you about another disappearance of a very similar situation with another young woman, Hannah Graham, who disappears on the same college campus five years later. Now, we have police who compiled surveillance footage of all the businesses that they could find on campus that showed footage of Hannah Graham walking around on campus late that night, intoxicated, attempting to go back to her apartment. They released segments of this surveillance footage to the public, hoping for tips. Within days, police learned after verifying a receipt that we discussed yesterday from an establishment called Tempo, a bar called Tempo, that a man, Jesse Matthews, who was spotted in the company of Hannah Graham at Tempo, they learned from him using his credit card that th- this is the man that is seen with Hannah Graham, who is now missing in the surveillance footage of her walking around on campus and uh, going into that bar. What they get is when they reach out to the public the information that they get is this man is identified as Jesse Matthew Jr. And we have a male witness who comes forward and says, you know, after the time that those two were spotted together using his credit card at Tempo, I saw a guy that looks exactly like that same dude and her. He's trying to get her into his vehicle which was described as a 1998 orange Chrysler Sebring. Yeah, or uh, orange piece of shit. Well, this is interesting, because when police run a background check on this Jesse Matthew Jr., of course, he owns an orange Sebring, so that matches up. Got him. Now they have his name. They want to go and talk to him. So after about a week of Hannah Graham missing, they now have identified the man who's seen with her in the surveillance footage, Detectives go and knock on Old Jesse Matthews' door, on his apartment door. He had, he initially refused to let the detectives inside, and said he's stepping outside to talk to them. They start they they start in right away. We don't we don't have any time to lose here. So they say, "Hey, do you know anything about Hannah Graham? She's missing." He admits that he had heard about a missing woman on the news. Then they ask him, had he talked to Hannah at Tempo at the downtown mall on the night of her disappearance? Right. He said he was really drunk that night and he didn't remember talking to Hannah Graham. He didn't really remember talking to anybody. He said he remembered being downtown, but did not remember talking to her when they said Hannah had been missing for seven days and they believed he had some information, he said he was going to go get some socks. So he goes inside, shuts the door. I guess he's going to go get his interrogation socks on. (laughs) And then after a few minutes, he comes back, he comes back out and he does allow the detectives to do a cursory walkthrough of his apartment. This he's just simply showing them like, look, the person you're asking me about, I don't remember talking to her and you can come inside cause she's not here. So they do a quick look around. Now, this is where, <laughs> this is the moment where they turn this dude upside down, right? Detectives tell Jesse Matthew that, you know what? We've already got a search warrant for your vehicle. So we need to know a couple things here, man. We know you were with her that night. That's how we got this search warrant for your vehicle. Right. So did you leave with her? Did she leave with you? And was she in your car that night or at any time? Jesse Matthews response was, um, (laughs) he's trying to come up with an answer. And then the detectives cut in real quick and say, look, we need to know if she was in your vehicle because we're going to find that out. We have the search warrant. We'd rather hear it from you. We're giving you a chance for you to tell us what you know.
0: Well, the first question if you are law enforcement is do you know who this individual is? Mm-hmm. If they deny it and you have proof that they do know this individual, and that's a sign of guilt. So, but they but law enforcement plays this so smart because if he's able to get through the first question, well, I was so drunk, I don't I don't know if I talked to her or not. Then you go, Well, we have an eyewitness that puts her in your car. So was she ever in your car? And if he answers no, you know he's lying.
1: Right. A good gu- a good interrogator will ask questions that they already know the answers to. Right. This is to size you up to gauge your how cooperative you are going to be in the investigation also to gauge if you're honest or a dishonest person and if they should believe anything else that you're going to be telling them. Mm -hmm. So he wants to know, Matthew wants to know if he's under arrest and the detectives say no, that he was not. And so the the detectives are waiting there. They're going to have the vehicle impounded. And so they're waiting for the, the tow to show up to impound this vehicle so they can do a, a thorough search for forensic evidence and such on this vehicle. And during this time, he's kind of going in and out of the apartment, kind of keeping an eye on what they're doing. At some point, you know, he does remind them, look, I have no information about a missing young woman. He is refusing to provide his cell phone number to detectives. But then before the vehicle can be taken away, he says, Hey, my passports in the glove box can I get this passport before the vehicle is towed away? Mm, that's weird. Well, yeah, you don't want to give that passport to a guy who is now your prime suspect in a missing persons case. So they tell him no, and then things get uh, get a little little different here, right? His vehicle is towed away to be processed by the police, and his roommate drove him to his mom's house. On the ride, Jesse Matthew watched the video released to the public by the police. This is of the surveillance footage from Sal's showing him with Hannah Graham. Later that day, he withdrew all of his money from his bank account. All kinds of signs that this dude wants to run. On Saturday, September 20th, Jesse Matthew called a detective at the Charlottesville Police Department. He agreed to come in and talk to the detective, and he showed up at the station Around three, close to four PM that day. Or said that he would be there. When he does show up, Captain, he he pretty much refuses to talk. Right. Uh so yeah, I'll go in and talk to you guys, but then he gets there and has nothing to say. He leaves the police station and of course now he's tailed by the FBI. This
0: guy's a real dickweed.
1: Because they are they're aware that he may want to run. They're aware that he has answers that he's not providing to them about this situation and their missing person. And then on top of that, the FBI is making it obvious to him. And I think this is, I think this is a maneuver that you want to make it obvious to this dude. We're watching you. That way, if he were to slip away briefly or whatever, that he that, that maybe he goes, I can't run. They're watching me. So they, they make it obvious that they're following him.
0: Well, he can't run too far because.
1: At 910 that night. Because
0: he's 270.
1: Two reckless driving warrants are issued for Jesse Matthew. They obviously observed him driving recklessly while tailing him. Meanwhile, he decided to borrow or asked to borrow his sister's car. And at some point he slips, they slip up because he's able to flee using this other vehicle.
0: Well, let's just go back to him not telling the truth. I mean, and keeping your mouth shut. If you know that you're going to be not telling the truth, then you're going to have to, whatever lies you tell, you're going to have to keep keep up with those lies.
1: That's exactly right. And once he goes on the lamb and they can't find him this is when they get permission to arrest him and file charges against him. So now we have What's going to turn into a nationwide manhunt for Jesse Matthew Jr. An APB is issued, and he is officially charged on September 23rd with abduction with the intent to defile Heather Graham, who had still not yet been found. This is because of the results of the crime scene techs processing Matthew's vehicle. Here's what happened. A bloodhound used by the police detected Hannah's scent. Got him. On the car's interior passenger door. Got him. An evidence swab recovered from the interior passenger side door frame of Matthew's car near the door latch was examined at the Virginia Commonwealth of Virginia Department of Forensic Science. A DNA profile was obtained from this swab. Hannah could not be eliminated as a contributor to that DNA profile. They could not 100% confirm that it was her DNA. But what we have here, Captain, is, quote, the probability of someone other than Hannah being a contributor to this DNA profile is one in greater than 7.2 billion. Jesus. Which, I, I don't know why they can't just say that's Hannah's DNA. I, I, I'm i guessing that there has to be a certain number of markers. I don't want to get too much into the science of it. Right. Because I'm not Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, but. Well. But here's my calculation, Steve.
0: 7.2
1: billion, one and greater than 7.2 billion. There's not even that many people on the planet. So unless there's a a few billion people that are hiding somewhere, uh, that has to be Hannah Graham's Mm. DNA. So meanwhile, what we will later find out is that Jesse Matthew headed for the border. There are indications that he was heading to Mexico. Taco Bell. Now, he checked into the Village Creek State Park using a false name of John Carr and an address uh, in Maryland. A road atlas was found in his sister's vehicle, marking several locations showing his travel trajectory for Gulf Coast towns close to the Mexican border. Eventually, he's nabbed in Galveston, Texas.
0: A lot of pretty women there.
1: So I, I have to go to this story that came from Channel 6 CBS out of Richmond.
0: Go for it, Bill Nye.
1: Thank you. On September 24th, Karen Monk took her dog Hurley for a walk on the beach in Galveston. That's This is a beautiful area. Uh, Texas beaches. And she is a regular. This is part of her regular routine to take her dog for a walk, watch the ocean, taking the fresh air. Mm -hmm. So she's chilling out at the beach and mind you, there's an APB out for Jesse Leroy, Matthew jr. Nationwide, his picture and description and what they suspect him of is on the news. Just about everywhere. We already described his height and weight. He's six foot two, 270 pounds, approximately 32 year old, black male. And he's distinctive, right? He's He's got some distinguishing characteristics. One, his size. And two, he's got uh, dreadlocks and, and, a, and a short beard. So he's going to stand out from just another face in the crowd. And while she's there, she's feels somebody looking at her. And when she looks over, she's like, my God, I think that's the the person that they said they're looking for on the news. And so she she does second guess herself. Did
0: freak you out?
1: But she says there was something terrifying about the way he was looking at her. That that he briefly left. He was in a vehicle. He briefly leaves, and then he comes back, mm. and then that's when she made up made it up in her mind for certain this, I'm pretty sure this is the guy that they're looking for. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of, uh, of this messy stuff here because th- this is pretty upsetting. They're looking for this guy nationwide manhunt. And don't, don't anybody make any jokes out there, any dumb jokes. Her name is Karen, she calls this into Crime Stoppers. Mm-hmm. Crime Stoppers, they don't believe her. They're like, eh, we, we don't know if we got enough to go on here that this is the guy that they're actually looking for. So her, <laughs> you see something, say something. Well, she's saying something and it's fallen on deaf ears.
0: Yeah, I love when when people just want to be lazy with their job
1: she calls this into crime stoppers. And from my understanding, she called crime stoppers more than once. Mm -hmm. And finally she's like, I'm getting nowhere with this. So she calls the Galveston County Sheriff's office. And she's like, look, I really believe this is the guy that they're looking for. Could you at least send somebody out here to interview me or to interview him? If he's, if he's even still going to be here when you get here, because I've been trying to call people. So well, he's all in the run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning we don't think he'll stay in the same place for very long. Yeah. If it is in fact, Jesse Matthew and the look, the Galveston County Sheriff's office, they did their job much better than the people over at crime stoppers on that day because they send out some police officers and they question the man that, that she says, look, I think that's the guy that they're looking for. Of course, he lies uh, about where he's from and gives a false name, but very quickly they realized this is the guy. this this woman, thank God she called. Thank God she went to the extra effort when she was turned away the first, second, third time.
0: Well, that's a Karen for you.
1: because this guy is this guy is a menace to society. Yeah. He's the number one suspect in Hannah Graham's disappearance and he's on the run. And so he's taken into custody. He spends about 41 hours in a holding cell. And then he's shipped off to Virginia to where he's going to have to talk to the detectives there, the ones that know this case.
0: And they're sitting there at the station going, got
1: him, got him. Well, while this is all going down, the detectives back in Virginia, they are able to obtain a second search warrant for Matthew's apartment and his uh, room where he went and stayed at his mother's house from time to time. Investigators found a box of hospital gloves and hospital grade antiseptic wipes in his room at his mother's house. Now, it's possible that maybe he's just freaky, crazy, clean about his taxi cab. We should also mention, though, he did work for a period of time as an orderly. Uh so this could these could be items from that job but it, these also could be evidence and items that one would use to cover up a crime.
0: Well you're telling me something earlier that was really fascinating is not only did the scent dogs pick up her scent in his vehicle but they also uh picked up her scent in his apartment.
1: Yeah this th- they found uh according to the the bloodhounds and the handlers the, they detected Hannah's scent on the threshold of his apartment uh, in the foyer area of the apartment and the entry door. Now what's interesting here too, and kind of paints a very dark picture Mm -hmm. is that the handler is telling law enforcement, I'm guessing here based off of what the dog is trying to tell me and the way that the dog is hitting on, on these, on these markers that while she was here and did enter this apartment, she likely was not walking. She was very likely carried into the apartment.
0: How do they know that?
1: You'd have to ask the dog.
0: But that's not the only evidence that they're going to find in the apartment.
1: Correct. So when they do a search of the apartment, they find some shorts. And from my understanding that they're going to, attempt to pull some DNA evidence from this pair of shorts that's found in Matthew's bedroom Mm -hmm. and on the shorts, they find a mixture profile of DNA. So two DNA profiles mixed further testing is going to tell us one, Jesse Matthew could not be eliminated as the major contributor to the DNA mixture. And two Hannah Graham could not be eliminated as a minor contributor to the DNA mixture. And again, we're going to see similar numbers here. The same numbers, captain, the probability of someone other than Hannah being a minor contributor to the mixture profile was one in greater than 7.2 billion. Mm. In other words, that's her DNA on this pair of shorts found in his bedroom and he's claiming he didn't go anywhere with her. He didn't, he didn't give her a ride. She didn't leave with him. I don't remember talking to her. Well, none of that's adding up based off of the evidence that we are finding. Let's compile this with some other interesting, more circumstantial, but interesting evidence that many of the people that knew Jesse Matthew told police and investigators that they thought he was behaving strangely. The day after Hannah disappeared, and that he had some injuries that he had like a swollen jaw uh he he it appeared that that he was in some kind of fight mm-hmm. and that he didn't leave his apartment and did not respond to calls or text over the next day or so and this guy regularly goes out. he's usually out and about he's kind of shutting down for a couple of days after she goes missing. Now one problem though that investigators are going to have in this case. We talk so much about the evidence against this guy is that they don't have any cell phone evidence connecting the suspect Jesse Matthew to Hannah Graham. And the problem being is that police are saying that, that we don't know if, if if her phone was off from 12:30 a.m. and on uh, or in airplane mode or if this was just some kind of strange coincidence, technological glitch. But they, they couldn't put what, what they often try to do today is put the two cell phones together, the suspect and the victim phones together, being in the same locations at the same time. They could not seem to do that here. Now, what we're going to have here is they arrest, as said, Jesse Matthew. He's sitting in jail, and he's charged with the abduction of Hannah Graham. But Hannah Graham at this time is still missing. But shortly after this, Captain, things will start to move very fast. The evidence keeps pouring in.
0: This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash garage today.
1: The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless. With Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get 3 months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium Service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. Forty-five dollars upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. while your subscription is active.
0: Welcome back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. If you haven't signed up on the mailing list, do so at truecrimegarage.com. We like to send you promo codes so you get a little discount on items in the store page.
1: Yeah, drop by the store, enjoy the garage sale, and uh, get yourself a little creepy camper shirt or van the van. I don't even know what's Parts in there. Parts unknown. Because yeah. they, the shirts sell so well, uh, and wear it proudly, mm-hmm. and maybe you'll get flipped off by somebody driving a van. Um, th- this is where things are going to move very quickly here, Captain, and things are going to start to flip for our suspect because while he's locked up and they're continuing to try to find Hannah Graham, trying to get more evidence against Jesse Matthew in the Hannah Graham disappearance. Now they're going to confront him with a whole new storm. And that storm is going to be, guess what? We now suspect you in the abduction and murder of Morgan Harrington that took place in 2009. And And how do they
0: come to this conclusion?
1: They're putting together evidence because, One, we have very similar situations that took place, similar victims. Yes, they're five years apart, but this all goes down in the same area, investigated by the same detectives, the same jurisdiction. And so it wasn't that great of a leap. They start looking for ways to try to connect Morgan Harrington to Jesse Matthew or Jesse Matthew to Morgan Harrington. And what they figure out is that Matthew drove for Access Taxi at the time of Morgan Harrington's disappearance in 2009.
0: Well, and they're going to get a search warrant for Jesse Matthews' cell phone that he was using at that time.
1: Yeah, he had a Nextel device back in 2009. They get the search warrant. Records are showing who he was talking to the night of Morgan Harrington's disappearance, and guess what? They tracked down. They were able to identify four people who say that, yeah, I I took a cab that night. I took a cab to the Metallica concert the same night that Morgan went to the Metallica concert and then disappeared.
0: Dun dun dun.
1: And they are telling the officers and the detectives that the the man that drove me this is his description.
0: Yeah, let's just remind the listeners. Where did we find her, her purse in the parking lot of where the taxi cabs would gather?
1: Furthermore, the records of his phone show that Matthew was in Charlottesville that night, as those witnesses had said and suggested, and pretty much he was consistently and constantly on his phone that night of October 17, 2009. But around 9:30 p.m. there is approximately 90 minutes of complete inactivity. Remember this is matching up with the last sighting around the same time that this young woman Mar- Morgan Harrington was last seen. He's on his phone constantly up to this point and now Almost no activity, complete inactivity for 90 minutes. And again,
0: Morgan, she made a custom Pantera shirt to go to the Metallica concert. They were able to find that shirt. There was some blood evidence on it. So now they're going to test that blood evidence against Jesse's blood.
1: Yeah, the Remember, we have that DNA that that we go, okay, well, this matches up with somebody in CODIS who committed another crime four years prior to the disappearance of Morgan Harrington, but that crime was not solved. The suspect in that case was not identified, and therefore we have this database that is telling us that these two crimes were committed by the same person, that his DNA is is telling us that he very likely killed Morgan Harrington, but we don't know who that person is. So now we have this guy locked up in our custody, who we believe should be the suspect in Morgan Harrington's case, because we have evidence to suggest that, and we suspect him in the disappearance of Hannah Graham. So they test his DNA and find out that, boom, it does match from the 2009 disappearance of Morgan Harrington and the crime, the which was a sexual assault attack that took place four years prior to that.
0: Well, basically, this uh, chicken is cooked, right? I mean, they, they have evidence in Hannah's case against him. They got evidence in Morgan's case against him. So, at this point, he needs to get a lawyer.
1: Yeah, he gets a defense attorney and the attorney is going to I mean, very correctly, try to get ahead, out ahead of these charges. So we're offering and asking for a plea deal in these cases. And what the attorney wants on Matthew's behalf is that Jesse Matthew will admit to murdering Morgan Harrington and Hannah Graham and tell the police where they can find Hannah's remains and exchange what they want is that Jesse Matthew, aged 32, will get 25 years in prison with the possibility of parole, meaning he won't spend the rest of his life in prison. And at 32, if he ends up getting parole before the 25 years is up, he's not going to be an extremely old man by that time. And what we have here is The families get together with the prosecutor, with the district attorney, and they are discussing, do we take this plea deal? Because he does have something to offer. He does have, and I hate to call it this, leverage. He has some leverage. Heather Graham's family wants to find their daughter. Of course. And so he very likely, and as indicated by his defense, can provide them with that location and that answer. Now the families did something very smart here and they decide that, you know what, we're going to sleep on it. We don't have to make any decisions right now. This dude is locked up. He he's waiting. He's going to be charged with Morgan Harrington's murder. If he doesn't plea, we don't have to make a decision right here. And now, we're not going to let him steer this ship. And so they decide to sit on it. And in the coming days, what's going to happen here, Captain, is we now have Hannah Graham, who's been missing for about a month. And her remains, the location of her remains, are being used as a bargaining chip by Jesse Matthew. But on October 18th, 2014, According to a statement of the facts, quote, a search and rescue team located Hannah's remains near 3193 Old Lynchburg Road in a densely wooded ravine behind a vacant home. Almost all of Hannah's skeleton was recovered in that area. So she is found. I mean, if it, we already know these cases are connected, but let's say you didn't have any evidence against him in the Morgan Harrington Right, case uh but we can all agree that the the disappearance the circumstances of the disappearance are so similar they're almost identical. The victimology very, very similar, almost identical well, Hannah Graham's remains are found within five and a half miles of where Morgan Harrington's remains were located years prior,
0: so evidence against. Jesse Matthews connects them to to Morgan's disappearance and murder and to Hannah's disappearance and murder. And the way that they were murdered is very similar as well.
1: Yeah, so we have a pathologist who's going to conduct the autopsy on Hannah uh, and determine that this was the same as in Morgan Harrington's case. The same doctor, Dr. Kevin Whaley at the office of the chief medical examiner in Richmond. Now, Dr. Whaley's conclusion was that Hannah's cause of death was homicidal violence of undetermined nature. And again, the manner of death was homicide. The forensic anthropologist, Dr. Elaine Pope, studied Hannah's skull and determined that her left nasal bone had been broken. Additional study of the remains by two forensic anthropologists at Radford University concluded that Hannah had two nasal fractures that were consistent pre-mortem fractures occurring at or near the time of death. This led the doctor to believe that the most likely cause of death was suffocation. Now, remember, they could not figure out the or narrow down the exact cause of death in Morgan Harrington's case. But think of the similarities there. We're talking about broken bones that the breaking of those bones taking place at or near the time of death, right after finding the remains, of course, now the families who did not have to make a decision earlier, they're saying, "You know what, boom, we reject your plea deal right we're 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 not on board with this anymore, and what's going to happen?" is that he's going to be charged with both of these murders. Uh, The charges will be upgraded to capital murder, and he's indicted for both murder and kidnapping of both of these victims.
0: So we know Jesse is responsible for Hannah's murder. We know he's responsible for Morgan's murder, and we know that there was a prior crime. It was a sexual assault that that victim's still alive. She can easily identify him. I don't know if we see the totality of, of all of his crimes, but he's definitely he's definitely a serial killer.
1: Not only that, you go back to the, the earliest of the crimes where you have the survivor. Right. Who's to say that he didn't intend to kill her? Right. Or if things didn't go his way, that she... Would have survived because we know that what, what happened in that situation is that a passerby saw what was going on and interrupted the attack. And that may be the only reason why she survived. The scary thing here to me, Captain, is we got this, the sexual assault that I believe would have resulted in murder. Had someone not stepped in, had she not been able to get away. Right. We have the murder, the kidnapping and attack that takes place in 2009 and then in 2014 again. And the sexual assault that takes place before the murder in 2009 is four years prior to that, 2005. So we got nine years of this kind of very violent behavior of where this guy is abducting women off of the streets And think about that too. He's also working as a taxi cab driver, putting himself in a position to take advantage of vulnerable women.
0: And that was probably by design.
1: Exactly. That's what makes me wonder about the shirt that was found on displayed. The pant, the custom Pantera shirt that was found displayed on the bushes. You have to wonder, was this some kind of psychological move? Maybe he had that shirt in his possession. Maybe he was following the news of missing Morgan and Harrington and the news starts to die down and he wants to see his crime back in the news again. And so he goes and puts this evidence out there and puts it on display where it would be found, putting that whole case and that whole crime back in the news again without her still being found at that time. What's what's crazy here too, and and this is, you know, goodbye the families. Um, this would be very very difficult thing for anyone to do, but we know that he's now being charged with four counts, two of murder, two of kidnapping in the Harrington and Graham cases, and the families get together and they say, look, he was looking for a plea deal earlier, and now we have the leverage on this guy but we don't want to go through a whole death penalty trial, even though we got this guy dead to rights. And so they agree that, look, if, if he's willing to plead guilty, Mm -hmm. we'll cut a deal with him that will spare him the death penalty. However, they've put, They put language in that deal that will guarantee he will be locked up for life. He cannot get out. He cannot be paroled. He cannot get geriatric parole, even when he's very old and elderly, even sickly. Um, So they put language in there that, hey, if you agree to this, he's going to be locked up forever. And this is one of those kind of guys that look how dangerous he is. If this guy is breathing, he is dangerous. Yeah, piece of shit. He he is there he I believe he was out there regularly looking for victims. And one thing that haunts me a little bit too is the Karen lady that turned him in that says, Oh, out in Galveston, Texas, spots him, calls it into Crime Stoppers, and eventually the Galveston sheriff come out there. They arrest Jesse Matthew. She said that she spotted him, he left, and then returned in his car and was staring at her. We know he was trying to flee and, it, and very likely trying to get across the border into Mexico to flee the police. Was he looking for one last victim before he he crossed over? Had he gone into Mexico, how many women would he have attempted to kidnap and violate?
0: One of the good things for law enforcement and good thing for the victim's families is they have his dna so they're able to then test that against other crimes where they have dna but they just don't have they just don't have a suspect but it makes you wonder how much law enforcement went back and started looking at this guy's known whereabouts where he is working is there other missing females in this area that he might be responsible for
1: yeah and Jesse Matthew agrees to this this plea agreement. It was agreed to, and sentencing was pronounced. Uh, it was determined that Matthew will serve four consecutive life sentences. He relinquishes all rights to appeal, so he cannot appeal this, uh, is not eligible for parole of any kind at all, as we already talked about, right. or any type of conditional release. And the added caveat that the state could reinstate the capital murder charge if Matthew violates this plea agreement, meaning they could put the death penalty back on the table table if anything goes awry. Now, at sentencing, Hannah's father, John Graham, spoke, and this is from the Post. He described his daughter as an optimistic person who loved studying at the University of Virginia and was making plans for the future when her life was mercilessly cut short by Matthew. Quote, his evil depraved the world of a great talent, but Hannah's enduring gift to us all is that she enabled this wicked man to be apprehended and convicted. She did change the world, he said, but at a terrible price. Sue Graham also spoke. She credited her daughter for her heroism. She enabled police to apprehend a serial rapist who had been hiding in plain sight in Charlottesville for years.
0: Jesse Matthews showed no emotion during the sentencing at his
1: trial. Yeah, and he, here's the situation too. Like like I pointed out, you have to wonder if there's other victims here. We do know that at one point that before Jesse Matthew was apprehended, before he was connected to the the murders of these two young women that there was suspicion because of disappearances of other young women in and around this area between 2003 and afterward that there was suspicion that there was a serial killer, possible serial killer in the area. And we do know that that came to be true, right? Because we have Jesse Matthew who killed two of the victims During that time period, oddly enough, there was another man who was maybe equally as nasty as Jesse Matthew. His name is Randy Taylor. He was charged with the murder of a 19 year old around the same time and is a strong suspect in one of the other open and unsolved cases of a missing young woman. It's a very strange situation here, Captain, because This may indicate that we have two active serial killers operating in the same area, greater area at about the same time, Mm -hmm. which is not completely unheard of, but it's very, it's very unlikely. It's very rare. Um, The weird thing too, with, with Matthew is he, he had opportunities in his life. We talked about his size. This guy was a star athlete in high school and even received a scholarship to play football at Liberty. And it was, we don't know when all of his crimes started or all of his bad behavior started. But he sent off to prison to serve what is ultimately going to be a life sentence, four consecutive life sentences, no doubt. So at age of 32 in his early 30s you would think that he's going to be there long for a long period of time that he's sent off to prison and he, that he will die there yeah but the thing is he may die there sooner than any of us would have expected this is because in 2019 it was announced that Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr had been transferred from the Supermax Red Onion Prison to Sussex I State Prison in Waverly, Virginia. It was later revealed in December of 2020 that Jesse was no longer being held at that prison either, but had become an, an inpatient at Richmond hospital. He was suffering from stage four colon cancer. Now there have been very little updates as to his situation, his his ailment mm-hmm. uh, Last I could find that there's no there's no mention or announcement of his death. And last I could find was that he was continuing treatment for cancer in 2001, late in 2001. Since the sentencing and sending this monster off to life in prison, the monster that killed their daughter, The Harringtons, Morgan's parents, have become advocates for the protection of women from predators like Jesse Matthew. They funded a scholarship at Virginia Tech in Morgan's name and named a school in Africa after her. They also funded and operate a nonprofit safety advocacy program called Help Save the Next Girl. At the University of Virginia, Hannah Graham's friends and family have endowed scholarships and a memorial softball tournament named after her. But of course, in the end, it's not enough, but I guess that that's all they have.
0: I want to thank you guys for being the best listeners in the true crime community space. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for the beautiful listeners
1: this week? Captain, we are recommending the murder room. The heirs of Sherlock Holmes gather to solve the world's most perplexing cold cases by Michael Capuzzo. This is about three great detectives who were heartsick over the growing tide of unsolved murders. Good friends William Fleischer, Frank Bender, and Richard Walter decided one day over lunch that something had to be done and pledged themselves to a grand quest for justice, and that is how they formed the VDoc Society in 1990. Now, today, the VDoc Society has over 30 members comprised mostly of some of the world's finest forensic investigators who meet monthly to bring justice to ice-cold Murder cases. Check out what the VDOC Society does and how they do it by reading "The Murder Room." You can find that title and many others on our recommended page, TrueCrimeGarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter.